Hello and welcome to another edition of the Producers Podcast. I am Dante Gomez sitting in here with John Simmer on this beautiful Denver Monday. What's going on, man? How you doing, John? Uh, not too bad. You uh, actually filled in for the uh, back half of my shift today on the Players Club, so appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Happy to work with those guys anytime. It's yeah, always man. fun working with Nate, Owen, oh, uh, Chad. Yeah, it's always uh, fun to get reps in. And um, But this was a... Uh, eventful sports week. We've had, like, I guess basically the entire tournament because the tournament's been so good, um, both men's and women's. I feel like we've been kind of coming in on Mondays the last better part of a month and just saying, like, wow, what a what a jam-packed sports weekend we had. And I think a lot of that had to do with the NCAA tournament. Usually, I, like, used to be really invested in the tournament. I wouldn't, like, necessarily fill out a bracket too much or – I would just watch a lot of the games, especially, you know, in like the, I'm like 10, like it's crazy to say like 10 years ago now, but you know, like the 2010s, I was like usually really, really invested um, in watching in the last few years. I haven't like really cared at all. Um, But you know, this year again, I kind of had like the same feeling as previous years, but this year I've been watching a lot more, definitely a lot more college basketball than I have in the last, like, five or six years. And this has been, like, by far the most fun I've had watching, like, college basketball in a a hot minute, Um, including women's, too, which, I mean, I'll be honest, I never really watched the women's because it was, like, you knew Connecticut or Tennessee was going to win for the longest time. Then it was Baylor for a few years there. And then um, South Carolina won last year, I think. And then they were the presumed favorite this year, so... Yeah, uh, I'm actually weirdly on the opposite side of that. This is probably one of the least tournaments I've watched. Really? So I was always the same as you growing up, like big, watch all the games, fill out a bracket, do all that stuff. And then I've kind of lost my love for college basketball probably the last like two, three years. Did you Now, did you watch it this year and then you just like weren't excited by the product or did you just not like make the time, like make the concerted effort to be like, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch this game and see if it grabs my interest? I first weekend I sat down tried to watch a bunch of it. Uh-huh. I think the just, I mean, people have been saying this: the lack of star power. There wasn't really a lot of yeah. names mm-hmm. in the tournament this year. You could like go to like, oh, right. this guy's gonna be the number like one Drew pick. Timmy or, yeah, Drew Timmy. He was probably one of the only names I did know yeah, going exactly. in. Yeah, um, exactly. But like you know, in years past, you had Zion or you right. had John Moran at you know right. Jason Tatum. Go down the list. Exactly. Go. Yeah. There's a ton of examples. So this is the first year where I was like, I I don't really know much about going in. So I've kind of lost the love for it but i mean it's been a great tournament yeah uh no debating that so it's been fun to watch first time same as you kind of getting into the women's tournament which was really fun um i watched the south carolina and iowa semifinal which is a crazy yeah, that was game. i don't know if you got that game. one but yeah. oh my goodness i didn't watch it but i watched like the extended highlights yeah it was that awesome was watch nuts. um it was just iowa Caitlin clark's shot making incredible south carolina is just so athletic so big just yeah. like out rebound like doubled up on rebounds compared to Iowa and they still lost like that just yeah. doesn't happen in basketball right. so really fun to watch that caught the game yesterday as well LSU and Iowa mm-hmm. championship great game LSU kind of ran away with it kind of been some discourse on Twitter on LSU of course um, kind of winning people are not calling it, you know calling it not classy right. whatever you want to call it, like poor was it sore losers sore winners I guess yeah um, just like um what was a classless was the word being thrown around for um, 
I'm spacing on her name. Um, Something Reese. Angel Reese. Angel Reese. I think. But yeah, I mean, I so I watched. I was listening on um, the radio and stuff like that because I was running errands um, during that game, and I went to the gym for a little bit. But I caught like the last quarter and a half, so I didn't really see like I was listening when Iowa like they would always seem to cut it to like eight or nine, and then um, you know they would answer LSU would respond with like a four point. Um, you know, for a run or something like that. And it would just always be like that 12 to 15 point range as far as when I caught it. But um, their point guard, LSU's point guard, made like three or four really difficult shots in the fourth quarter that were just like soup. Like you could feel Iowa was trying to gain some momentum. And then they she would just make like a really difficult drive to the basket or like a jumper that was really tough. Um, that always seemed to just kind of like keep LSU in the lead. And then I was um, center, uh, Cezano, I think it is, I pronounced. Um, she fouled out. And I guess there was controversy with the referees or something because she got into foul trouble early, um, I think. And then Caitlin Clark, I saw that technical that she got. Um, and then obviously the coach for LSU, you know, was like freaking out. To be honest, I don't like just from what I observed. Um, on Twitter and things of that nature and kind of like the very little context I have of the game. I don't really see an issue with the refereeing. I don't really see an issue with um, the celebration of Reese either. I think, you know, if you're looking at it just kind of pragmatically, it's just like the first time she did it, the free throw, uh, free throw line to Caitlin Clark doing the, like, you can't see me. It's like, all right, that was cool. Like, you know, you got your, you got your, your shots in, but then like at the end of the game, when I was just like dribbling the clock out and she's like what like she's like just maneuvering around to like get in her field of vision and continuously do it, it just felt like uh, it just felt a little cringe. You know, it was just kinda like you you made your point, you know, just it doesn't you don't need to keep doing it. No, I'm with you on that. I think it was just it was a little too much and I don't know. That's kind of how I want my sports, though. I want them, you know, talking crap. I want them to be happy when they win. I want them to be sad when For they sure. lose. So, the, Actually, the thing that I had the most issue with is, like, LSU was, like, the whole disrespect thing. I don't know if you saw that, but um, there's a clip that went viral where Caitlin Clark kept backing off, or maybe it was just the one possession. I've only seen the picture or the video of the one possession. But she, like, gives the Ben Simmons treatment to one of the South Carolina players where she backs off like a good like eight to ten feet, just challenging her to shoot from three, and she doesn't. Um, but then like LSU like was like, I don't take that disrespect. And Reese was talking about that in the game. It's like that had nothing to do with you. Yeah, I don't think that's disrespectful at all. I think that's no. just strategy. It's, yeah, it's just why like, would you go out there and guard her? Yeah, if, pull up. Yeah. You know, either like I so that was the, if anything, that was like the thing I had the most issue with was like LSU like manufacturing this like disrespect as if like Caitlin Clark did something egregious. And not only was it not like it just hadn't, didn't have any relevance to LSU's. And then they were like parading around. I guess Reese was talking, you know, after it was like, I don't take that disrespect lightly. Those are our SEC girls at the end of the day. I'm just like, this SEC, is man, like, it means more. This is super. Just like, it just it was off putting to me. Um, 
I get that, but I feel like every athlete, you know, you see it during the the last dance for Jordan. He's manufacturing slights against him, which his seemed a little more, you know, within the realm of possibilities. This was just didn't really have anything to do with you, right. but you know, is what it is. Congrats to LSU. Congrats to Caitlin Clark. Congrats to women's basketball. Honestly, we have you know how many uh, how many shows are talking about women's basketball today that have never talked about women's right. basketball. So good for them. Saw a funny tweet where it's like, "Congrats women's basketball. You know you made it when you're, uh, you know." What is it here? Oh, you know you made it when uh, Twitter is insufferable to talk about you. <laughs> right. And you so go. I was like, yep, yeah. kind of nails it. So yeah. um, Caitlin Clark still has one year of eligibility, too. She's, I think she has to come back. Yeah, she because she's not eligible for the uh, WNBA draft, which is, I think, overall just good for the sport as well. Um, so she'll be exciting. It's funny, I because, um, again, I didn't know anything about women's college basketball leading into the tournament, and I was just like – just like scrolling through YouTube one night in a video got recommended to me of Caitlin Clark's highlights. This is before the tournament even started. And it was like Caitlin Clark, the Steph Curry of W like women's basketball. I was like, all right, I'll click on this. It was like a four minute video. And it just shows like all her highlights are pulling up from the logo. I'm like, yo, this girl's legit. And so I'm like, all right, well, you know, that's my, that expands my uh, women's college basketball knowledge. So I'm just going to root for Iowa. Like, that's the only girl I know out of, like, a Leo Boston. It's, like, the only other girl I knew, at least in college ball. And, um, you know, to watch it real time. That girl's a straight hooper, dude. Like, she might be, you know, to a lesser extent, but maybe not so with the WNBA, but, like, what Curry was to the NBA in terms of just, like, revolutionizing that range in that, like, ability to pull up from anywhere. I mean, she's taking, like, almost 23s a game and shooting damn near 50%. Yeah, no. That's pretty insane. Yeah, she was incredible shot-making, mid-range when you needed it, go get a bucket, creating for her uh, teammates and everything. So, great tournament for them. Moving along here, we'll go to the uh, men's side of it. They got the championship tonight. Uh, If you're listening to this, it already happened yesterday. But... (laughs) The uh, UConn Huskies are taking on SDSU Aztecs. UConn, mm-hmm. a bit of a favorite there. UConn's kind of had their way throughout the tournament. I want to say average victory was like 20 points throughout this uh, tournament. Have they trailed in any game? Uh, any not game? late, I'll tell you that. Because <laughs> uh, There was one team I thought I saw a stat that said like they hadn't trailed you know, all tournament long. And I, I want to say maybe it was UConn, but I might just be misremembering. But, yeah, they've... I haven't watched a single second of UConn basketball this whole tournament. Just kind of how things fell from my schedule and stuff like that. So I have literally no idea about this UConn team um, other than apparently they're just like dominate the paint. Yeah, they've been great all year. It's actually funny. Zach By back in like January was telling mm. me about this UConn team. He goes, check them out. They'd probably been like, they might have been December, like eight games into the year. And he goes, mm. check them out. They got a couple NBA guys. Like To be fair, I think I hear like Zach By call out like, 15 college basketball teams throughout the season. I'll say that it was the only team you brought to my attention. Okay, fair. I'll put it this way. Like, I know he talks about it on air, but uh, he called his shot with this UConn team. I don't yes. know if he – I think he ended up throwing a little future on him as well. But I remember he brought it up to me. He goes, check him out, watch it, whatever. And I, I, I don't even think I ended up watching. But I just remember right. we were in the hallway talking about it. And I was like, wow. you know, yeah. He knew, I guess. So he loves his uh, East Northeastern basketball. So should be a good one. Do you got any prediction or – Everyone is just like – so, just operating because I don't know anything about UConn, and I just watched San Diego State for the first time in the semifinal game. 
Um, the way that, like, my, I guess, tinfoil hat mind works, everyone and their mother is saying UConn. And it's, like, without hesitation. And usually, I apply this usually with football if I'm going to touch a game, is if, some, if, like, you ask somebody something and they go, UConn. Or they just say team without even thinking about it, without pondering it. I usually take the points of the other team. Um, and with this being kind of like a, you know, it's, it's a national championship game. They're going to want it to be close. So I don't know how it works. But, you know, a little nudge nudge here. A little phantom call here and there. I think, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if San Diego State won it. Um, I'm taking the points up for sure. Because everyone... I haven't heard a single person even make a case for San Diego State. And when I was watching San Diego State against um, Florida Atlantic, especially in the midst of like their comeback, their their rim protection and their defense inside was like extremely impressive. What was um? It was the dude uh, who's at Leedy, or it's like one of their power. It's like their forward or their power center. I think it's Leedy as it's pronounced. He's like a man down there to to get buckets and then um their other dude who actually made the block that led to the game winning shot um was like pretty impressive too so those were the two guys when i was watching the game that really stood out to me um in the final four so to be honest i would you know i'm leaning san diego state but that's also because I literally know nothing about UConn. So. No, I think that's a fair way to go about it. That's why uh, I took LSU the other day um, uh, versus Iowa. Same deal because everyone was everyone was on Iowa. I want, and I think a lot of people were actually betting with their heart, not their head on that one. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, definitely – or just rooting for them. You know, because Caitlin Clark is like, you want that flashy, you know, player in the – she was the player of the tournament in terms of storyline. So, I think that was um, – I wanted – like I would, I wanted to bet. I was so bad. I wanted to, um, I wanted to put them, and I was probably going to put UConn um, in like a parlay. But I was like, I just, I don't like, I don't think you, uh, I was going to win. I just want them to win, so I just didn't even touch it. But to your point, that was, um, it's probably you know a good play. Yep, and I just pulled it up. It does look like a lot of the country is betting on UConn tonight. So. How much does it say? How much of the money was on it? Seventy-one percent. Jeez. But sixty-four percent of the bets. So it, it's pretty okay. close. But that number should have moved. And then in that yeah, situation, what then. is they're like what two and a half dog? Um, Seven and a half. No, the uh, well on the money line, the San Diego State they like two to one dog. Uh, yeah, two to two and a half. Like plus two half. twenty-five, probably. Yeah, I'm seeing two eighty here. So. Oh, God. Somewhere in that. I mean, window. that's value for, you know, a little sprinkle. But. I think so, too. Um, So, should be a good one. I'm going to go. I think I got UConn tonight. I don't know if yeah. I'm going to touch the game. But Are they just so dominant inside? Is that They've just been dominant. They're just a saying. more talented team. It seems like they've been there. Even though they haven't really been there, it seems like they've been there. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, I think they were ranked number one at some point during the season, too. Like, they just have, it's just a more talented team and, one of those where I think eventually, you know, the the Cinderella story kind of turns into a pumpkin. So. Right for SCSU. And was did they was it Calhoun? Is that the name of their basketball head coach? Is that the dude still? There no, no, he hasn't been there for oh, like ten been, years. Yes, um, exactly. They've already okay. had a different coach in between, sense. and now it's uh, Danny Hurley, which is the brother of Bobby Hurley. He's actually the head coach of my uh, alma mater, Arizona State. Oh, and he okay. Bobby Hurley was 
on those great like Christian Leitner Duke teams. He was a point guard for mm. all those guys. Um, didn't have much of an N- or NBA career, but so Bobby Hurley's a little crazy. You see him in the eyes. Mm. Danny Hurley mm. seems like the little more uh, reserved brother, even though he yeah. can get after it too with the refs. So. Right. Should be a good one regardless. Uh, looks like we're split on who we got today. So by the time you're listening to this, you will know who was right, though. Um, we'll uh, keep it going here. NBA. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. The CBA. They reached a new CBA mm-hmm. and you know avoided a work stoppage. So that'll run smoothly. No lockout, nothing like that coming up, which is nice. Uh, one of the you know couple key points here, they're going to stop testing for weed. They're going to allow players to invest in cannabis and sports gambling. And then uh, I think down the road they're thinking about adding an in-season tournament. Um, they also added a minimum of games for the MVP. I think you have to play eighty percent of the games, which is sixty-five games. I want to say. Okay. Um, so, kind of a wide-ranging topics there. We could start off um, any topic out of those four that you got. In- Why the hell do we have an in-season tournament? Like, if anything, yeah, let's add more games to an already long season. So the actual thing, they're going to be regular season games. They're going to count towards eighty-two. That's even dumber. So. They're not really adding. I think two of the teams, the only teams that are have an 83rd game, will the teams that play in the championship. Uh-huh. Um, so there is, I believe it's a 500K prize for each player, which I don't know. They do, Basil. Uh, yeah, it's like one of those where those guys are all millionaires. At, well, it's just it like, does nothing for the fans Good for as well. you, get your bag, but I just don't care. Like, yeah. It's not, it, what, I, why are we having tournaments within a season? I think it's just to try to break up the monotony of the regular season. Um, they which, just play less games. Well, that's also could have been on the table. I don't think players are ever going to go for that one for less money. I think they want it, but I don't think they want to give up the right. money. It goes TV with it. deals. Exactly. Yeah, so there was one idea I saw out there. It didn't end up going through, but was the winner of this the in-season tournament mm-hmm. had an auto bid to the playoffs. Would you? We already have that, that. What do you mean? In the play-in. That's like basically what the play-in tournament is already. Well, no. This In this case, you could clinch a playoff seed in January. Then what the hell is the play-in tournament for? Well, the playing tournament actually—we're like we're clinching playoff spots in the middle of the season. Well, they what ended that, up not if, going for it, you know, so you you don't best not a fan. Gets hurt. Well, uh, well, that's what I was gonna ask. So you're not a fan of that? The auto bid? I mean, no. Okay. It's just like just play the season out traditionally, and let's just crown a champion in June or whatever, April, oh, June. Yeah. Don't fix it if it ain't broke. I yeah, got you it's with just that. Just like it's, what what are we doing here? Like, why are we trying to like seem gimmicky? Yeah, it's just like, oh, why are we putting so many, like, champion labels on, you know, things within one season? It's just, to me, it seems, yeah, it's gimmicky. It's just, like, just seems kind of unnecessary. No, I think that's fair. Um, I do like the playing tournament. You brought that up. I, they in, instituted that, what, like, two years ago? Yeah, I don't ago. mind it. I, I think it's, play it tournament. keeps interest in the league. It's one of For those sure. where, right now, I think only three teams in the West have clinched the playoffs. And there's a week left, and it's because right. technically, you know, the four seed, the Suns, or like the five seed, the Clippers, they can get into that playing tournament, yeah. and then not make it to playoffs. Yeah, so I don't have any issue with the, end the of playing the season. tournament. Yeah. Usually, even though it's just like it is almost, you know, useless. I guess because when is it has a playing tournament team ever like really made a run? Not in the uh, playoffs, but right. they've made a run to get into the play. Like I think Minnesota last year was the right, nine but or like 10, within the playoffs. No, well, then, they got yeah, in. And then they, got they won that game, and then Patrick Beverly is taking his shirt off like he won the damn Larry O'Brien. Um, but yeah, I don't mind the playing tournament. I would honestly just to me if you just made it like not like keep the conferences, I guess, but just like the best. You know what is it? Um, eight and eight, sixteen. So oh. best sixteen teams get in. Oh, I think that for football too. Yeah. Okay. Just like, you know, keep 
I don't know if you need to keep it for structure or whatever, but just like let the best teams get in. That's all. That's just kind of how I've always viewed sports in general. It's just that's what I really care about. Um, but yeah, I just I don't really mind how the NBA is. If it were up to me, just and I'm a pretty casual NBA fan. I'm not like diehard or something. But cut the games to like sixty, and you know if you need to extend the playoffs or whatever, but. Just like baseball, just every sport but football, and maybe it's just because I'm so indoctrinated with how football does things. It's just like every season is way too long for me, and I no. just like I get bored of it. I think a lot of people agree with you on that. I think the players agree with you. Um, I think you know it'll be tough to change anything going with that, but I think a lot of if anything, football is trying to push the opposite way, try to go more games. So. Because it hurts, you know, it does hurt financially. And maybe it's just like, I have thought of this too, just maybe it's a product of, you know, I'm a, I'm like almost a product of like our social media world where like, again, it's like we we have a feeling of like entitlement of like, we want every, like, want where's my no, next dopamine hit? You know, like make this season shorter so I get that dopamine of like the playoffs. Um, because I definitely never felt like this as a kid, but at the same time, I wasn't paying attention as closely. I wasn't really, the Nuggets weren't really that good, um, up until like the mellow days, um, to care that much. So maybe it is a product of just like, you know, the environment in which, you know, we've kind of evolved in terms of social media and stuff like that too. So. No, I mean, I think, again, I think a lot of people would agree with on that. Um, so Quick thing here on the MVP, too. I said, so it's 65 like games that. to win the MVP. You like I do it. like that, yeah. Do you think it was necessary? Do you think – I don't know how many MVPs have ever played less than that and still won the MVP. I don't know if it's necessary, but it's just kind of like a – Put it in concrete, at least. But, like, 65 games, that's actually, like, a pretty, like, long leash. Because I think – hasn't Embiid already played 64? I think he's played 64 and Jokic has played 67, um, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like – if the sixty four and Jokic, oh, I think fine. he has three games ahead of him. Sixty seven, yeah. Um, so if like if this is a knee jerk reaction to just like the whole Embiid conversation because he's been hurt so much, but he's also been like in line to be and he's played at an MVP level when he's available. Then why are we giving such a long leash for that? It should be like seventy. Okay, so you want to see more. Yeah, I would. I would just like because like that's such a again that's such a long leash. So if there was you know some hate against Embiid this year, it's not as much as previous years. But if you were to use Embiid as the example, then and I would have to look at other years he hasn't he hasn't played, um, or like how many games he's missed. I guess is a better way to put it. But I just feel like that leash is a little too long because, like you said, how many you know MVPs have missed that many games. Probably not a lot, if any at all. No, I I don't have the numbers on it, but I'd agree. I also think it was try to combat the load management. These guys sitting out useless games. That way, if, oh, you do load manage, then you do get an injury. It's like, oh, well, now you can't win MVP. It's yeah, kind of a I mean, little like, bit of a slap on the wrist for those guys. Can't get all NBA, which I believe all NBA can tie into your contract in terms of how much money you get. So there's a game limit. There's a number of games. It's played. all uh, all awards. I that is more beneficial. So all NBA is more beneficial because what I was going to counter with the MVP and load management, there's it's usually only like a two or three horse race. So what, are you really making a dent? No, not at all. Especially if you're in that two horse race, you're going to want to play more in this in the season anyway. 
and by conf- like by recency bias, you know, you might have like a, you know, you're obviously having a good season, but if you put together like two months of averaging twenty eight, you know, twelve and nine, then you might be more privy to play the reward the win the award. But if you're load managing on the like first third of the season and then play hard on the back for the back uh, quarter of the season, then you're manipulating the system. And did you really fix load management? No. So, but I like that with all NBA because obviously that's a lot more people involved. Um, you know, DPOI things of that nature. Which also, do you think they should add like an OPOI, just a straight up offensive player of the year? I think the offensive player in the year and the MVP end up kind of going hand in hand. But that, so how part. you separate it? Because like it would end this garbage argument that the leading scorer needs to. No, I understand. And in football, they have separate awards. Yeah, for sure. Which usually, you know, the MVP ends up going to the quarterback and right. The well, yeah, OP it's, it's just a way to up. give you know the running back or the receiver an award outside of the MVP award, which is literally just quarterback. Exactly. So. I think it'll end up. I don't know. Actually, I wouldn't mind that the offensive player is or name it player. like a crown. You know, whoever's averaging the most points that season gets like the scoring crown. Well, I think there is a score. I think they do is call there? it the scoring okay. title. Um, I I don't know if it's an official award, give but every year they award. do yeah. are like, oh, they won the scoring title. Yeah. That is give, a thing. Give that an official award. Just make it something that's like an accolade that goes under your your name in Wikipedia, mm. so we can get rid of this garbage narrative that. Just because you score the most, you know, needs to be the MVP. And I, I, I act the same way in MVP in football too. But just because the NFL is so like, it's more marketing than anything else. Um, and and football fans are a little bit at to blame because of it. Not to go down this wormhole too much, but it's like you know, you're not the greatest of all time if you don't have three to five MVPs and two Super Bowls. You know, so it's kind of like a more of an incentive. From a marketing standpoint, I guess, because um, QB is the most important position in football. So, I think that's garbage as well. Yeah, I like the the putting a minimum on it. At least there's a set line. Right. Then there that you know does the end the argument of well, did he play enough games? Right. Did he not play enough games? And that's just an argument that no one really wants to hear. With the gambling stuff, um, did you read like what's the details about that? So I don't know the exact details. I do know that they are allowed to invest in. Gam- sports gambling and uh, cannabis is both. So invest in sports. What the hell does that mean? So like I bet think on the games little, or like. Well, that, I think you can you, be certainly not. No, I don't think they're allowing. But you, you can like get partnerships with like FanDuel. So I think you can at least put your money into the company. And the gray area, at least from my point of view now, is are like are you allowed to be in the commercials? Are you allowed to like yeah. promote props? Being like that's sketch. Yeah, like no, I don't like it. And I hate that. Yeah, the Players Club was going on and on about how it's a very slippery slope. Oh, and I 100%. completely agree. The NFL screwed. Like the minute the NFL started getting um, uh, betting sponsorships, like in my mind, I was like, well, that just like compromised like everything about the sport to me in terms of just like if you're a, if you're an avid gambler and you do it responsibly. In my mind, to sensibly say that the NFL will not operate in whatever way you want to interpret that, in because the NFL is all about money, so if they're partnering with uh, gambling affiliates, but then not saying like still saying that it's a fair game is an oxymoron to me. You can't be in bed 
with different sports books and then call your game fair. No, I agree. So I just uh, looked it up a little bit. Sham Sharania here. Um, so they are allowed to do endorsement deals with sports betting companies. That's insane to me. I hate that. Because, again, it should, they, those two things should not be together. No, they should I be agree. separate of one another. Yeah, I don't, I don't think those two worlds should be meeting. There should be strict guidelines yes. on that, I have very, Which I'm assuming they are going to have very strict guidelines that right. go along with this. Um, Air quotes. So. <laughs> I don't believe you can't. It's all about, dude, it's all about money. Come on. Like, no, I, yeah. So you can't like it to me. It just compromises like the, I, whatever the word is. It just compromises the purity of the sport the minute a league gets in bed with like gambling. And I know that's kind of how things are shifting. And that's why you know I kind of stopped, you know, gambling a lot because like I just can't trust it that it's that's legitimate. So, what's your take on if the leagues are allowed to make money off these books and partner with them? Do you have? It sounds like you don't like it at all with yeah, the leagues all or garbage. the players. But yeah, if, if the leagues are allowed to, I do think the players should be allowed to, you know, 100%. You know, wet the beak, get a little money for themselves. Yeah. The I league's so. making millions of dollars. Oh. All the leagues. Whatever. Pick billions. League, billions of dollars from these partnerships with, you 100%. know, name a sports book. So every commercial during a sports game has a sports book commercial in it. Right. Much. So that's why I think it, it's, it's all garbage. You can't, because again, I would agree. If the owners are getting, you know, profit from it, then the player should absolutely be able to profit from it too. But then what the hell are we doing? That like compromises the purity of the word sport. If we're getting into gambling, like I'd, I hate it. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what exactly the guidelines are. But it does say, so in Sham's tweet here, direct quote is, they are allowed to do endorsements with complete separation from gambling component. What the hell does that even mean? So I don't know what the, the word, yeah, it's... Because, like, you'll see, lawyer you know, like, language. if you're on, you'll see, like, J.J. Reddick's parlay, you know? And then, so, um, am I going to see, you know, Jamal Murray's, you know, NBA Christmas special parlay? And it's a seven-leg parlay. And it's like, bet 10 to win 10 million, huh? And then it's like, it shows how many, like, a bet underneath. I don't know. I just I hate all of it. So. so to me, the words mean that you can endorse the book, but not any specific bets. That's kind of okay. what I understand from the language, but that's just my it's like interpretation. Kevin Hart. You know, you see Kevin Hart on all the DraftKings commercials, kind of like that. Exactly. So my interpretation is that where it's like, hey, go bet on you know blank right. sports book, but it's not going to be like, hey, go take right LeBron James over right. or whatever. Go like, take my you know my yeah. custom made parlay or whatever. So that that's my interpretation. So we'll you know we'll see what ends up going with that. Um, last thing, they are stopping testing for weed, which I don't think the NBA really was testing much anyway. <laughs> Michael Beasley was in the league, yeah, dude. You think they were Smith, testing yeah. for weed that hard? Come on. So I don't think they were ever testing that difficult. So it is nice though that there's you know a zero percent chance of getting popped for weed. I think. Sure. I, like, when's I'm, the last time we heard of a guy getting popped for weed in the NBA? That was like. Yeah, actually, I couldn't name one off the top of my head. Yeah. So neither could I. But at least, you know, now it's, you know, just completely off the table, which I'm sure they had to give up something for that, which kind of stinks. But at least, you know, no worries on any of their heads. I think it's fine. And they were um, just recently on the players uh, club saying as well, like, if weed becomes that big of a problem for somebody, right. like, they just won't be in the league. Right. So it's kind of you got to police yourself. Cause right. If it wasn't weed, it was something else. Because obviously your priorities are skewed and your work ethic isn't tight enough. So. Yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah, so I'm good with they can it. Smoke weed. Let let them do what Sick. they want to do. I think other sports. I think MLB might maybe already adopted this, and then they actually might have been the first. 
and then NFL might be next. Sure. So. I don't care. Smoke, get high before a game. I don't care. Yeah. You know? No, just, if it really works for you, it works for you. Yeah. So keeping it with the NBA, we got the Nuggets. Uh, big win last night over the Warriors, 112-110 out of Ball Arena. Uh, no, no Jokic for, what, third straight game, I want to say? I think so. And so they all but clinched the one seed. They're up three games now. Uh, Memphis lost yesterday, which helped, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, two-game swing, I guess, win, and they lost. So pretty much locked in that one seed at this point. Um, is there any concern that Jokic has missed three straight games in, I don't know if they'd say the most important games, but it's getting close to the playoffs here. Right. Um, no. I mean, you know, you, you worry just because of the length of time he's been out. And, you know, because <laughs> he got listed with that calf uh, the game after the 76ers, um, they played the Sixers for, and Bede was out with the calf. So it was like almost kind of like, a, are they like, like, are they kind of trolling the 76ers a little bit? Or, you know, is it is it just kind of a maintenance? Is it load management? Um, but the, the length of it, you know, kind of, worries you i don't you know just because we're i guess just because we're not hearing anything and yoke is just sitting on the bench so it's not like he's out you know like actually re like rehabbing or doing anything so i'm not too worried about it especially because like (laughs) any like dominant player in the n or the nba does like the one who doesn't need to be like super like nimble i guess is probably Jokic because he plays a little stiff anyway um, but I'm not too worried about it in terms of just Jokic's injury. Um, any concern that he won't be 100% in the play? I, I think he'll definitely play in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but any concern that he won't be playing at an MVP level in the playoffs due to this? Nah, because his passing still going to be elite. And the only thing is, and I think whether he's injured or not, you know, you're going to need – somebody needs to be the top scorer on the Nuggets that isn't Jokic. So, you know, whether it be Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, I th- if even at 100%, Nikola Jokic shouldn't be the leading scorer. He's your best player, but he doesn't need I don't think he needs to be your leading scorer if you were to win a or contend for an NBA championship. It needs to be MPJ or Jamal averaging, you know, 25 to 28 a night. Oh, I like that thing. Yeah, MPJ had a big game yesterday, 29 points, 11 rebounds, nice little double-double for him. Aaron Gordon fills in the box score himself he had 13 10 and 7 so kind of all around game for him as well which i think is what you want from aaron gordon i think you just want him doing a little bit of everything playing good defense so i think it's good to see that um so going in here they looked again looks like they should be the one seed barring any you know something crazy would happen they've held the one they've held that one seed over 100 days wow that's impressive and you know people do say it was kind of a down year for the west yeah um, because i think they're gonna be one of the worst like by record one of the worst one seeds. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, last year Suns won 64. I think the year before the Jazz won like 60 games, something like mm-hmm. that. So, I don't I don't think the Nuggets will end up getting to 60 this year. So, yeah, like you said, it'll be one of the worst records at least right. from a one seed. Um, so, a little preview here, though. If you're uh, looking to the playoffs, is there any team you would like to see, any team you would not like to see? I got a couple options here. The Clippers, Golden State, the Lakers, New Orleans, Minnesota. Um... Any of those stand out? I don't know I if do you like, like if you – I'm not – I've never really been one to be like, I want to play this team, unless it's from, like, a narrative standpoint. Like, you know, sometimes with some teams, it's, like, kind of important, I think, if the opportunity presents itself to, like, get over their demons. 
So like for the Avs, if they, you know, like when they played the Blues, it was kind of a, a rivalry of like, okay, if they can, you know, show their dominance in last year's playoffs. That's like almost the monkey off their back kind of thing where it's like, okay, now we can go win the championship if like the, if the Broncos had an opportunity in 2015 to play the Ravens, you know, and get that, get off the schneid that way. That's kind of how I look at playoff matchups. I never really want to be like, I want to play this team. Um, Minnesota is probably like one of the teams the least worried about. Um, but you know, it's so weird because I feel like the Nuggets can, with a lot of the teams in the West too, if they have a big man who can play like relatively well on the defensive side against Jokic, the, the Nuggets can crumble. Like it, that, it's just like it's so weird that if you're able to like limit Jokic, I feel like just the pressure of the playoffs can really weigh on that team mentally, and they just start to like try to force things a little too much. We've seen it, you know, time and time again with the Portland series when they lost. Um, you know, with the Lakers in the bubble, although the bubble, I just kind of put that as an asterisk as a whole. Um, so, but I think Minnesota wouldn't really worry me. New Orleans worries me because they got, they're so, like, they're just a gritty, like three and D team. Um, and Ingram can go off for like 30 any night. Ingram, McCollum's always, you know, yeah. a vet. He knows what he's doing out there. They, uh, I followed the series pretty closely last year when they were in the playoffs, and mm. they looked really good. I thought they had a chance to beat that Suns. I like the, the first, Pelicans uh, round. I, I like will, they're easy to root for. Um, they got Valanciunas, who's super solid. That um, who's that point guard who's just like irritating as hell on oh, the defense. Jose Alvarado. Yeah, like he. I mean, the Nuggets, or I'm sorry, the Pels seem like a really bad matchup for the Nuggets um, to me. And I even said that whenever we got. I feel like we've gotten blown out by the Pelicans like multiple times this year. Because um, I think we played them way back in like December or November, something like that. And we got blown out as well. but um, And then we couldn't even score 90 on them the other night. So Pelicans I'd be worried about. But the Lakers? The Lakers don't scare me in terms of just like you look at that team. I'm just like, meh. But... You have LeBron, so the whistle's always going to be on your side. AD put absolute clamps on Jokic in the bubble, which, again, bubble kind of an asterisk. But you just the way that AD played that series, he was like the Anthony Davis everyone expects him to be. Um, and the Lakers just always seem to play us well. So, like, I look at the Lakers just, like, as a as a whole, like, not scary. But then you put them on, in a matchup against the Nuggets – I'm a little worried, but not so much. Um, but they're probably like the lower, like the one lower seeded team. I would be like, all right, well, we got to play them in the first round. This is a little, this like I'm going to be a little nervous for that. Clippers, not so much. We seem to have the Clippers number. Um, I haven't watched a lot of the Clippers this year. I used to watch them a lot, but I don't know like what's going on. How many games has Kawhi even played? And he's even looking good. Like I haven't even. Yeah, I mean, he just misses so many games, it's hard to see him on national television. Uh, I know Paul George is injured at the moment, so that kind of, in my head, cripples that team a lot to the point where it's like, you know, they might have a couple good games, but I don't see them really winning a series, at least without Paul George. I think that'd be really difficult. They should be a lot better than they are, to be honest. Tyron Lue needs to get fired. He's not a very good coach. Um, And you can't have a coach who gets crossed up and then disrespected by Allen Iverson like that. Um, But yeah, the Clippers don't really scare me. It most likely won't be the Clippers anyway, but there are five through seven, 
five through eight right now all have 38 losses. So it could mm. kind of go anyway. Yeah. Not Nuggets related, but I'm really rooting for Memphis Golden State first round series. I know those that teams got be, some bad blood. Yeah, yeah, Both teams are, you know, finals aspirations. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be very like whoever loses in the first round of that, it would be a crushing first round loss for I either feel, team. Yeah, I feel I feel like Golden State would win in like five. I think so too, but it'd be the, very interesting. I, I think to the me that Grizzlies be, are super fraudulent. Um yeah, I just like do they is Desmond like I remember is Desmond Bain in his second year? I think more than that. I was taking a lot of his player props, like his rookie or his second year. Um, and he's a baller. Is he hurt right now? I haven't really paid much attention. I just kinda like got off the Grizzlies train this whole season. But Desmond Bain's definitely a threat. Um John Morant, you know. Is electric, but outside of that, they just they don't really have like an inside presence anymore. They've kind of like totally shifted from what they were even like five years ago with Barcasol and everything like that. They were more of like a grinder three and D play on the inside um, type of team. But that would be fun. But I think the Warriors would ultimately um, take that series. And then I was actually reading up that Andrew Wiggins. There's like a lot of hype that Andrew Wiggins might be coming back. Um, cause he's been gone since like mid or early February from the team. And I think if you put Andrew Wiggins inside that lineup, the, my optics shift pretty significantly, which is kind of weird. I never thought I'd be saying that about Andrew Wiggins and the Warriors, but I think he's a, he's a really vital piece. And then Jordan Poole, you just, I'm, I love Jordan Poole, man. I think he's a really, really solid player and he's just one of those players too. I think who can just like catch fire in a playoff series in a playoff run, and um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Warriors are back in the Western Conference Finals this year. Oh, I could see it too. I think the West is wide open. Is you know, much Nuggets fans probably don't want to hear that. I think it's wide open. Right. I I really don't think like there's four or five teams who are like yep they can make it, and I wouldn't yeah. be surprised at all. So well, the thing with the Nuggets too, it feels like they've just been like like they've just been even keel the entirety of the season almost. Like yeah, you're gonna have your ups and downs, but um, you know, just in terms of, I mean, obviously the Suns got a lot better at the trade deadline, um, but like the Nuggets, like nothing moves the needle up for me with the Nuggets. And from what I've seen this season, it's almost like Nikola Jokic is going to have to have an all-time playoff run, and Jamal and MPJ are going to have to like really pop off um, for them to make a finals run. Otherwise I just I just don't see it. They're like the Nuggets are like the epitome of consistency this year, but it's not en- enough consistency where it's like they can just dominate a pl- a playoff run. I just don't see that. No, I completely agree. I think it's one of the they've been really good regular season, but playoff basketball is a whole different game than And I don't know if I trust basketball. their mental either. Like I just like you kind of take on the um, you know, the identity of your coach, they say. I feel like Michael Malone isn't that calm and cool under pressure. Like he, it just seems like he, he panics a lot. What was that game? He forgot to put Aaron Gordon in. Oh and it was yeah. Lost. It might've like, been the bulls or the bulls or maybe one of the games. That no, we got that blown game. out by the bulls. So it was the game after that. I okay. think, um, but it's like, dude, how do you forget? Like, I it's just like, and I've never in, by no means am I like a, on the side of like Marilat when it comes to uh, Coach Malone, 
But when we extended him in like 2017, 2016, I didn't like it. I thought we should have moved on from him. I've always kind of compared Malone in my own mind to John Fox. Good, solid coach. He can build your culture up if you're kind of in like the lower half of the league. But then that's it. You know, he'll get you to, you know, that two or three seed, maybe like maybe more of like a four seed. You might win a series in like six or seven games that you weren't expected to, but that's just about it. You're not going to win a championship with him. But I will agree with Marilette that Malone's kind of like the view on Malone has been enhanced because he's got the best player in the world on his team, and that's really it. No, I mean, I agree. So real quick, I don't, I don't want to go too much on this, but I think the argument would have been very similar for uh, Mike Budenholzer, the Bucks coach. Yeah. I think oh, he's same thing. Get, he had, were saying calling for him to get fired that playoff run. Exactly. And then, you know, Giannis has an all-time great playoff yeah. run, and then the whole narrative switches once you get that first ring. So yeah. I could see Mike Malone fitting, like, directly into that same exact storyline. I, um, I don't. I wish I did, but I don't. So. And the funny, I wanted Mike Budenholzer as his replacement. when Because he, he left for, Budenholzer was obviously assistant with Pop. And then did he go to Atlanta? It was some, like, Southeast team, and then when he left there, <clears throat> I was like, oh, the Nuggets need to get him because I think we were just coming off a of Shaw or something like that, or maybe we had Malone for a few years. But I wanted Mike Boonholzer. He was, like, my pick because, I mean, also, too, NBA head coaches, and maybe this is a testament to Malone as well, but, NBA, like, elite NBA head coaches seem, like, few and far between. You know, and I feel like that's probably – outside of, like, the NFL, is one of the most impactful. It's just, like, for the NBA, it's not necessarily, like, X's and O's from what what my eyes tell me. It's more of, like, just how you manage the, not personalities, but just, like, the, the ebbs and flows of, like, your team's morale, but especially keeping cool and calm in, like, really, really pressurized situations. Because the NBA is a, a game of runs. Like, you go down 15... You're going to make that run back at least by eight, you know, and then it's what you do with the other time. Are you going to panic because you know you're the one seed and you can't lose in the first round and you're tied at two to two and you're at home and if you lose, you're down three two and then you go to Portland or Minnesota or wherever it is and then you crumble. Like that's been like the Nuggets DNA, I feel like, for the last like several years in terms of the playoffs, so. Yeah, I mean, just from outsider's perspective, I've only been in Denver for you know year and a half now, but I kind of have the same view yeah. uh, on the Nuggets and Mike Malone, where moment seems a little too big for him sometimes. Yeah. But you know, one playoff run can change a whole narrative with that. So, you know, we'll fixing to find out yeah. on the uh, on the Nuggets and their playoff run. Um, real quick, last thing: Rockies start two and zero, end up two and two out of uh, San Diego. Any interest in the Rockies going forward here? I don't care. All right, well, this has been another edition of the Producers Podcast. Dante Gomez and John Simmer, thank you for listening. Uh, We'll catch you later this week. Thank you. Peace.